0: everybody welcome to another episode of dropping the gloves thank you for joining us here on nice thursday tim how you doing big fire in charlotte you said
1: yeah big fire there's some uh commercial project being built Dude, no one was living in it yet but it burnt down to the ground right next to the mall lots Ooh. of people live there it's called that piedmont circle or something. It's right south of charlotte it's pretty crazy look it up like the fire is like it's like a i got a, i got an amber alert in my phone for like Don't call 911 unless it's a really serious emergency because everyone is fighting this fire, which I've never seen that before. I don't know why they would do that. If I was a criminal, I'd be like, okay, that was my time. Right. Everyone's distracted. Yeah,
0: everyone's tied up. I thought an Amber Alert was when someone got kidnapped. I don't know. Emergency
1: alert. Yeah. To my phone. You got to be specific because you just can't say things that aren't true. Tim, Uh, you got a lot of you got a lot to teach me about saying things that aren't true. John, you're right. I try to lead my life one lie at a time, right? Did you believe that? No,
0: but an Amber Alert is when a kid gets kidnapped, just okay. so you know. Or is missing. Or is missing, correct. Anyways, other than the fire, everything good? <laughs> yeah, it's all good here. How you doing, John? We might have the worst intros in podcasts, just in general, and I blame you. Well, there's nothing... Um, okay. Go ahead. Did you know I was actually looking at stats? The Boston Bruins still have the highest goals for percentage per game in the NHL in the playoffs. I didn't know. Thanks for telling me. 3.86 goals per game. They averaged and they still couldn't beat the Florida Panthers. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? 3.86 goals per
1: game. Two-time Vezina winner Bobrovsky. He's pretty solid. Yeah,
0: I guess so. Giving up 3.86 goals per game. Unbelievable. Anyways, thank you for joining us, everybody. We are down to the final four. It's very exciting. We've done a little breakdown, a preview of each matchup. It's very exciting what we're going to do here. So just buckle up because it's going to get in-depth real, real fast. Tim, you obviously wanted to break down the Carolina Hurricanes because you're from Carolina. You're a local. You breathe the same air as Sebastian Aho and friend of, the show, friend of the show, Seth Jarvis. By the way, so I texted Seth a few times, ghosted me. Complete ghost job from Seth Jarvis. I get it. If you don't want to do an interview, I understand it. Have the common courtesy to just say, no, thanks. I wait till the season's over. You know what I mean? It's just etiquette one-on-one.
1: He's heads down in focus mode. He's probably not even checking his phone. I bet he won't check at the entire playoff run. He's just Oh,
0: he's he's going LeBron. He's going um dark LeBron. Is that what he's doing?
1: Have you seen the uh there's like a running joke LeBron's always reading books like getting off the bus or whatever. It's he's always and like the first couple of pages every single book He's ever read. He hasn't gotten past page 10. Look at look at the pictures. It's like Hunger Games. He's right at the beginning, over and over. Harry Potter. Yeah, I,
0: I know what you're talking. And then one reporter asked him about one of his books. It was Malcolm X. I'm like, tell me about uh, Malcolm X. What have you learned? And he goes, he's a great man. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's just, he just did a lot of great things. I'm like, no one got no. a great review from the New York Times. Yeah, really, LeBron? He did great things. Like, that's what you're going with. He was reading Lord of the Rings one time. Like, he's just, you know... He's a dummy. I'll just say it. The guy's an idiot. He's very good at basketball. Good for him. Why? Hey, here's my thing. <laughs> Here we go. Ugh. Why? Why does he have to put on that show? Why? Why do you have to try to be something you're not? Do you think he feels pressured to be some kind of smart guy reading books all the time? What? Who cares? Why? I would love it if he just went out there and said, didn't graduate high school. Didn't go to college. I make a billion dollars a year. I don't read books. I pay people to read them to me if I want to. I'm the best basketball player on the planet. I would have so much respect for that guy if he did that, but he lies to you. He, he deceives you. It's like, just, just stop. Now, everybody knows you're not reading those books. You know what I mean? He, he just, he paints a picture. Like he's the perfect human being and nobody's perfect. It just—it's maddening, and that's why people call him on it's a, the age of you can't have lies. People would track you down and find out if you're saying something like social media. You can't hide anything, so don't even try to like deceive people. It's impossible.
1: You're not wrong. My whole thing with this is like LeBron's life experience is just so far removed from anything that we even you can imagine. Oh, like the yeah. like just the the attention and the pressure and the praise he's gotten since he was a child is just like next level, like royalty stuff. And so he, his, his self-perception, his view of the world, all those things are just, and I don't blame him for it. Like I'm, I'm not critiquing him necessarily. A lot of it's out of his control, but he's just has been shaped and has shaped the world around him in a way that we just won't understand. He's a jerk.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's just like, I would love
0: it if someone would just come out and be like, yeah, I do. You know what? I'm sick at basketball. leave me alone. If Austin Matthews got on the podium, I'm like, Austin Matthews, why'd you lose?
1: I don't care. I score goals. I hit dingers. You know what I mean? That's what I do. I feel like that's what Floyd Mayweather does. He doesn't try to like, he he can't even read. And he doesn't like put up any airs about it. He's just like, yeah, I'm really good at boxing and I make a lot of money and I like my life. I do great. Yeah. He's he's not walking around with Tolstoy. It's refreshing.
0: I think people respond to that. And I think that's what we try to do on this show. I don't know everything. I do my best. You know what I mean? I'm not the brightest bulb on the shelf, but I do my best. <laughs> on the show. <laughs> well, where are bulbs in, in in a row, in succession? Like, where, like how, how does that saying make sense? I'm not the brightest bulb. Just leave it at that. I'm not the brightest bulb.
1: Yeah. Yeah? I guess.
0: I'm not yeah. the sharpest tack.
1: Sharpest tool. Sharpest I like tool. when people mix up expressions, too. Like... I can't. I don't. Two two birds in the hand is worth one in the whatever. I don't know. People Theory. mix them up. and They're very funny.
0: Yeah, a zebra can't change his spots. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Anyways, moving on from LeBron, let's break down the series. We got Carolina, Florida coming into this postseason. If you would have guessed two teams to make it out of the East into the Eastern Conference Final, very few people would have said these two teams. When you're looking at the likes of the Boston Bruins, who set the record for most points in the regular season NHL history, hundred 80 years I think the NHL has been in existence. They beat every other team before them. We're talking teams that had 15 Hall of Famers on the roster, did not do what the Boston Bruins did. They got bounced. Toronto Maple Leafs, superstars up and down the lineup. They get bounced. New Jersey Devils had a fantastic, fantastic regular season. Everybody thought they were going to make it. They get bounced. Tampa Bay Lightning, three-time Eastern Conference champions. They get bounced. Who do we got? we got a Carolina team. Who was missing three of their best five players, arguably. And we have a Florida Panthers team who was in turmoil earlier this season. Who's starting a net? We don't know. Basically, went to their third option when Spencer Knight, who knows what's happening with him, bowed out. And then either goalie I can't remember. Going back to Sergey Bobrovsky. he's playing lights out. They're in the finals with Carolina. It's insane. But I'm here for it. I enjoy it. Two new teams, some fresh blood. Tim did a dig dig deep dig in this series. And I'm just going to chime in every once in a while. So Tim, try to clear the smoke out of your apartment and let us know what's going on in this series. That starts tonight, by the way, very exciting.
1: Yeah. I mean, speaking of unpredictable, I had both of these teams losing in the first round. So it shows how much I know. Let's look at their regular season matchup. They put each other three times, Carolina one, two Florida one, one, all three of those games in regulation. Um, I think to get to this point, the Panthers have probably had a more impressive run, not only because they were obviously the wild card team, the second wild card, but they, they beat the Bruins and they beat the Leafs. And that's those are no two easy tasks. Um so they're probably more impressive to get to this point than Carolina and the Islanders and the Devils. I don't know that they've been tested the same way that the Panthers have. Um and before I talk, we're gonna break this down by offense, defense, special teams, all that. Yours come- is more organized than mine is. I have to. I can't fake it as well as you do. I have to like, I got to know what I'm going to say. I'm going to stop
0: you there. I'm not faking it. I just don't <laughs> work that way. I, I do speeches around the country where I go and I talk to people, whether it's, I do about who, whatever. I've tried to like write a speech and like be very organized. I, I can't do it. So what I do is I put like four or five bullet points on a page and then I'm gone and I just go wherever the speech takes me. I go. So don't think you're better than me because you're more organized.
1: Okay. Sometimes I'll start a sentence and I don't even know where it's going. (laughs) That's the truth. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Another cool little factor here. Mark and Eric Stahl are on the Panthers and Jordan is the captain of Carolina. This is the first playoff series ever to have three brothers in the same series. Pretty cool. So let's talk about the offense. Both teams have exactly 40 goals through two rounds. One played one more game than the other, um, but basically pretty much an even match there. Florida is deep. When it comes to generating offense, they have Reinhardt and Braden Montour, of all players, uh, with six goals each leading the team. Kachuk and Carter Verhage right behind them with five goals each. So they're not relying on any one particular player to create offense for them. They're doing it up and down the lineup. Carolina, on the other hand, is led by Aho with 10 points and then surprisingly Jordan Martinook. And I'm thinking probably we're not going to see that offense from him continue that's not what he's really there to do. If he chips in a couple of points a series, that's a big series for him. So 10 points through two series is, is pretty impressive. I don't know that we'll see that continue. Um, so it's really on Ajo's shoulders right now. Both teams like to shoot. They're both averaging more than 31 shots on goal per game. Aho, by the way, was pretty quiet in the second round. He had seven points in the first round, but only three in the second. And so him stepping up is going to be important. Although... It's worth pointing out, just a report a couple hours ago, Tuevo Taravainen is going to play tonight. So where does he fit into the lineup? Does he automatically go to the top six? Is he automatically jumping on the power play? How much pressure can that take off uh, Avajo's hands? Uh, It'll be really interesting to see how that plays out tonight. And then I would add, too, with their offense, both teams generate a lot of offense from the blue line. Florida's D-men like to shoot. They like to create offense. They like to create those rebound chances. A lot of their goals in both of these rounds have been off the rebounds in front of the net from a Kachuk, from a Verhage, from a Duclair, from a shot generated off the point. Montour plays like a forward. He's not like, obviously, the, the speed, size and, size, and skill of a guy like a Bufflin um, in his prime, but he plays like him in the fact that he's all up and down the ice. He'll take the puck out of his own zone. and He's the first one dumping it in and chasing him to the, into the offensive corner. He's all over the ice. He's going to be a huge factor. And I think you said, too, like a couple of weeks ago, Ekblad might not be 100%, and he's been very quiet offensively this series. But I think what he's done is it's it, it's it's Montour's offense right now from the back end. And Ekblad just playing a simple game, probably um, not 100%, like I said, but Montour's being the guy on the, blue, on the blue line there. And the Canes are similar. Burns, Slavin, and Pesci have combined for 20 total points. That's a lot of offense from three defensemen in two, in, through two series. So um, a lot of offense from the back end. Both teams like to shoot. And that's going to come in factor when we talk about the goalies. I'll talk about that in a second. Defense. Carolina has the best league, the league best goals against average through two rounds at 2.55. Technically the Rangers are better, but they only played one round. So I'm not including them. I also kind of noted too, like if the 2.55 goals against average is the highest is the lowest in, in the playoffs right now and the lowest among the remaining teams, doesn't that speak to how highly the scoring the playoffs has been? It's kind of crazy because that's not that low. And that's the best in the league right now. Um, here's where I think it gets interesting. and One of the reasons that I, I I kind of had, a I ended up picking Toronto, but I, I thought real hard about picking the floor in the second round. They play a, a very aggressive style, like, like we talked about. They clog the neutral zone. They force the players outside. They force turnovers. It's right back up the other way. They're very quick with the transition game. They love to play the body. They shoot early and often. A lot of movement high intensity very physical it worked against the bruins it totally worked against toronto but here's the problem carolina plays the same way and i think they might be better at it and so um that's this is this is going to kind of like that uh you know immovable object versus unstoppable force situation where they both match up so well which one of those is going to break and i think if carolina i i think they're just probably a little bit better at it um, but we'll see how that plays out. And interestingly enough, I would have thought Carolina especially would be like uh, a shot blocking team, but they're not. These two teams are the dead last in block shots per game in the entire playoffs, which is just crazy. So these goalies are going to, going to be tested. They're going to be tested. They're going to be a lot. Both teams like to shoot. Neither of them likes to block a lot of shots. So they're going to be tested. And this is where I think the series will be make or break made or broken.
0: Based on the shot blocks, so whoever wins the no, series. No, the goalies,
1: the goalies. Oh, okay, the okay, goals. all right. <laughs> um, okay. Let's talk about Carolina first. So, um, they've been they've had a split net through two rounds, partly because of injuries. So Frederick Anderson and Ranta both are playing. Anderson started the most recent six games, and he's five and zero with a one point eight goals against average, nine thirty one save percentage. Very, very good. Ranta started the first five. He's three and two with a two five nine nine oh six. So they both played very well. I'm assuming it's going to be Anderson's net moving forward until he loses it. Just because he's played six in a row, five wins. He's played very very well. Bobrovsky, on the other hand, is seven and two, two point eight goals against, nine one nine one eight save percentage in ten games. Took over the net from uh, Alex Lyon, and in the second round, he was four and one with a one point eight nine goals against and nine forty three save percentage, which is like lights out, right? My big question for goaltending, we know Bobrovsky can steal a game. He can, he can win you a game when he's on. He's done it already in this playoff series. I don't know that Anderson can do it. I don't know if Rant is that guy. I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying they're not, but it's gonna, they're going to have to. You're, you're going to need that goal to win you a game against Florida, and I don't know if they're capable of doing it.
0: Um, I thought you were going great right until the last one. I don't, I don't think Anderson needs to steal a game. Um, I feel like Carolina plays the type of hockey where he just needs to be good. And he's been great. He's undefeated. He's playing fantastic. He's isn't making outrageous mistakes. When you look at Florida, when they were playing Toronto, how many mistakes were there's were their goaltenders making? I know Jeremy Wall or Justin Wall, whatever the heck his name was. He was making mistakes. He was giving up rebounds, he was bad positionally at times he was suspect Florida's getting gifted plenty of goals I think when you play a Carolina team they're not making mistakes you know Freddie Anderson is going to be getting very manageable shots to save he just needs to make those saves so that I don't think he needs to steal a game where I do think Bob maybe does have to steal a game Florida's a great team I think he's going to have to steal one if they have a chance to beat the Carolina hurricanes and he's, he's capable of it. That's the thing. The guy yeah. is a two time. Has he won DeVezza twice, Tim? Twice, I want to yeah. say he has, he's an elite goaltender. I think people forgot about him after he signed that big Albatross deal and he didn't live up to it. Don't sleep on him. He's a great goaltender. I know he's 30 plus. Both of these goaltenders are 30 plus. I love Freddie Anderson. You know me, him, Actually, in Craig Anderson. I love both Andersons. (laughs) They're great. I I, I would take both of these guys as my goaltender any day of the week. So, yeah, I I think this is going to be a very, very – I don't want to spill the beans just yet. Is there anything else you want to talk about on this series?
1: Yeah, I want to touch on special teams and just kind of random X factors that I collected. So, Florida's power play is much better, much, much better. 27.6% to Carolina's 18.9%. And so special teams will absolutely play a big factor in this. But on the flip side, again, we're talking about unstoppable ob- force, immovable object. Carolina has the best penalty kill in the league. They're at 90% in these playoffs and they've, sh- they've scored four sh- shorthanded goals. Three in one game. Yeah, but four is four. And so four you've is got, four. four is four. And so the discipline is going to be key. Um, we'll see who takes stupid penalties. Florida crosses the line. Is Gutis going to get called for his antics finally? Is Bennett and Kachuk were with their face washing going to get called and put in the box for it. Hopefully not, you know, the deeper in the playoffs, they tend to put the whistles deeper in their pockets, but you don't know. Um, The hurricanes led lead the NHL with a plus 82 differential in five on five shot attempts and averaging a league low in 27.8 shot against shot, shots, shots against per game. They control the puck. Carolina's 5-1 at, at home in the playoffs. The hurricanes are 3-0 at home in, in, all, in overtime, which is also another key factor. If these games go to overtime, Florida, Hurricanes haven't lost in overtime yet. Panthers, though, again, unmovable object, 6-1 on the road. So Carolina's 5-1 at, at home. Panthers are 6-1 on the road. So which one of those is going to break? Including six straight road wins in the playoffs. And Panthers are also four and oh in overtime. So these are this is a great matchup. Um it's something very exciting. I have a hard time. I still don't even know who I'm going to pick. I they match up so well against each other. So any thoughts on that?
0: They're two good teams. You know they they play very different styles of game. I think Florida is just a rush team. Get in there, try to beat you down low. Get it up to the point. Throw it on the net. Carolina is just disciplined. You know they ticky tack you throughout the game. They're not going to beat you with amazing speed. They're not going to beat you with amazing skill. They're just going to beat you. So. Yeah, I don't I don't know what to make of this series. Both of these series, it's not what we asked for, but they're very interesting. You know what I mean? There there's lots of layers to both of these teams that I just I just can't wrap my head around yet. I, I, I'm interested to see how game one pans out. I'm one of those guys who I don't really care how they did in the regular season. Who cares? Florida was a bad regular season team. They've been playing great in the playoffs. They've dispatched arguably the two best teams in the NHL. Carolina's overcame adversities, injuries, this and that. They're playing fantastic hockey. It's, It's going to be a great series. I don't know who's going to step up for Carolina. That's my only issue with them. They're great across the board. Jordan Martinuk cannot be your guy if you're the Carolina Hurricanes. You need someone else to step up. You need Sebastian Ajo. You need table Tara Vinen. You need Seth Jarvis. You need someone else up front to be that guy. Florida has that guy. It's Matthew Kachuk. So we know who Florida is going to lean on when it comes to that time. I don't know who Carolina has. Who do you think when you look at Carolina's roster is the guy? Is it Aho? It has to be, right?
1: It is. Yeah, but he's not a big goal scorer. And so he never really has been in the playoffs. It's him if it's him if it's anyone. Um, but yeah, right. I don't I don't think they match up as well as Kachuk's you know superpower.
0: Yeah, and we had, we talked about that at the deadline. We said Carolina, this is your time. You lost Svechnikov. You lost Patcheri. You have a ton of room and cap space now that, that uh, Patcheri is on the LTIR. Go out and get somebody. And they never addressed it. So far, it hasn't affected them. But when we get this deep, little things become big things. Can they have that opportunistic scoring without those guys? We'll see. Moving on to the Western Conference, Tim. I didn't do it as organized as you do, so I'm just going to rip through this however I feel like it. I got a lot of information to get to, so bear with me. Regular season stats, everybody knows I don't care. Somebody else might care. Dallas went 3-0 versus Vegas Golden Knights. Undefeated. Vegas, two of those games are in shootout. No shootouts in playoffs. So they could have went two and one. Dallas could have went one and two. We don't know how it would shake out. But in the regular season, Dallas has the pretty 3-0-0 and Vegas has 0-1 and 2. I could care less. In the playoffs, this is what I care about. Gold differential ex- expectation. This one shocked me. The Dallas Stars expected gold differential per 60 minutes, plus 7.78. Pretty good. Vegas Golden Knights, minus 0.11 which means they've been the worst team overall this playoffs. Very, very shocking. When you have a minus .11 goal differential over 60 minutes in the playoffs, you would think you would have been bounced in the first round. That means they just either get shellacked or they shellack somebody else. There's not very many close games for the Vegas Golden Knights. Moving on. This is a repeat, Tim, from three years ago in the bubble. Dallas played Vegas in the Western Conference vinyl. Dallas won that series in six, I want to say, in five, I want to say. I can't remember. Dallas won that series three years ago. An interesting tidbit, the coach for the Vegas Golden Knights in that series, Pete DeBoer. Who's Pete DeBoer coaching now? The Dallas Stars. A lot of familiarity. Pete DeBoer knows the Vegas Golden Knights. There isn't much roster changeover from the Knights three years ago to the Knights now. The only roster changeover, take out Pacioretty, insert Jack Eichel, a couple of new goaltenders. You don't have the Hall of Famers, Marc-Andre Fleury, Robin Lehner. You have Aiden Hill, Laurent Brossois, Jonathan Quick, who might might be dead. I don't know, but apparently he's still there. I haven't seen him. No one's seen him, but he's there. Maybe he gets some action this, this third round. So they're a very, very similar team to the team that Pete DeBoer coached three years ago. That will play a role here. When you know how the players play, when you know how what their tendencies are, when you pressure them, this and that. That's a factor. Dallas Stars, completely different team from three years ago. Everybody was talking about them three years ago. Boring team. Defensive specialists. Have a couple guys who can score. Joe Pavelski, Rupe Hintz, that's it. They're a completely different team, Tim. This is a fast-paced, up-tempo, in-your-face type team, get the puck in, four-check, 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 and score goals. That's what the Dallas Stars do. They have Jason Robertson. They have Max Stomey. They have Mason Marchment. They have Wyatt Johnson. They have Dadunov. They have all these new guys that have just been flying these playoffs, not to mention Ryan Souter on the back end. This is a drastically different team from three years ago. And the biggest different maker in my mind, Ottinger and Neck. Anton Hudobin was three years ago, kind of came out of nowhere, surprised everybody. They have odds. I don't know why I'm comparing three years ago. I know it's three years past that. A lot of these guys are similar guys on the Vegas Golden Knights. And if you lose to Dallas three years ago and they don't have any of these guys, and now all of a sudden you add four all-stars and an all-world goaltender, what makes you think the differences are going to be different?
1: Can Moving I on. You oh, yeah, go uh, ahead. What, why is three years ago a fair comparison, but what happened in the regular season two month ago? It doesn't matter.
0: I just think regular season, a different type of hockey than playoffs. It is fair a little bit because Dallas wins two in a shootout. Who cares? You know, it's apples and oranges. I think when you play in the playoffs, it's a completely different style of hockey than it is in the regular season. You watch a game that's played in September and October, and then you watch a game that's played in May, June, you can't tell me it's different hockey, right? It's completely different. All right, moving on. Ottinger played terrible last series. We're going to go with the goaltenders. Is it Jared or Jake before I butcher it? Jake. We're going to start from the back end and work our way up. I'm going to try to stay organized. Bear with me. Jake Ottinger. Up until last series, was the guy for the Dallas Stars. I know they have sexy offensive guys. I know they have some guys on the back end. This team lived or died with Jake Ottinger. He is an all-world goaltender. He's made multiple all-star games. He was the guy they leaned on last year. He was the guy they leaned on this year. I think it was a good thing he stunk in the Seattle Kraken series. He got pulled twice in seven games last series. He was awful. They had to find a different way to win. And guess what they did? They overcame adversity. They found out they didn't need to lean on Jake Ottinger so much. And they won that series in seven. He played fantastic in game seven. I think he's going to be a much better goaltender in the third round, Tim. But it was a good thing that he got pulled. I think the Dallas Stars kind of overcame a lot of that adversity. All right, Vegas Golden Knights. This is where I think there's a biggest differential between these two teams. We know what Dallas has. What does Vegas have? I know Aiden Hill is good. He played great last series. Shut down the, the the vaunted Edmonton Oilers, the greatest offensive team in NHL history, two superstars who could score at will. Shut him down with the help of a very good defensive core. But it was Aiden Hill stepping up and getting the job done after Laurent Brosois went down. Can he duplicate that, Tim? Can this kid? Yeah, he was a starter somewhat in San Jose. He comes over to Vegas. He's very familiar with the Dallas Stars. He's played them many, many times in his career. Can he keep this consistency up? The pressure rises. It's going to be. I, don't, I just don't think he can. Do you? I don't know. What are your thoughts on Aiden Hill, Tim? He's done nothing but impress so far. But do you think he can keep this up?
1: It's just such an unknown factor. But like you can, you can only really use what he's given you, and what he's given you has been very good. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously is the best goalie in this series, but is he going to play like it in the next two weeks? Time will tell. Moving on to the forwards. Last
0: series, everybody thought. McDavid, Drian Kane, Nugent Hopkins, the studs of the Edmonton Oilers were going to just roll over the Vegas Golden Knights. They weren't going to be able to keep up at all. Well, guess what? They didn't do that. So why can't Vegas shut down these guys? Don't look now. Rupe Hints will be leading the NHL in scoring in the playoffs soon. He's got 19 points in 13 games. He's playing absolutely lights out. Joe Pavelski averaging over a point per game. Jason Robertson has struggled mightily. But the guy's still getting a point per game. He will find his game. I think people sleep on the amount of superstars that the Dallas Stars have. Elite, elite level superstars. If you add Rupe Hints into that mix, which we should, the guy will win the Conn Smythe if Dallas wins the Stanley Cup. He is playing that good. They got Hints. They got Robertson. They have Pavelski. Max Domi's playing fantastic for a guy who's put out there in a third or second line role. And then you have the veteran stalwarts and Jamie Benn, Tyler Sagan, Don't not to mention you have getting Dandenoff, who has a massive boulder on his shoulder coming into the series. Ever since Vegas tried to give him away two years ago when no one would take him, they had the trade. It got rescinded. They were they were trying to give him to everybody. Take him to Anaheim, go to Montreal. Who wants you to get Dan enough? Don't look now. Karma's coming back. This guy's coming back to play Vegas in the Western Conference final, and he's playing very, very solid hockey. So, this is not a step down from the Edmonton Oilers. Dallas Stars have the ability to throw out three scoring lines who can do damage. You have Hintz, Pavelski, Robertson. Everybody knows how great they are. They did it last year. They did it this year. They're unstoppable. You have Domi Sagan and Marchman. Unbelievable three there. You have Johnson, Ben, and Dadanoff. It's three legit scoring lines. I don't know any other team that can throw out three lines with that amount of talent. And then they have a pretty good fourth line who can get up and down the ice and who can frustrate you in Fasca, Glenn Denning, and Kurvantenan. Kurver, Kur- curver, Kur- curvaranta. Kurvaranta. Whatever. So yeah, the Dallas Stars. It's not a downgrade. I hate how everybody's saying this. Oh, they, you know, they shut down McDavid and Drynsidle. It's going to be so much easier to shut down the Dallas Stars. No, it's not. And we did that stat earlier this year. Jason Robertson is on the same pace as Connor McDavid was for the first couple of years of his career, right? The guy's an absolute stud. Not to mention they have three straight lines of just horses in the stable. So I, I don't I don't think there's any difference. If not, it's going to be harder for the Vegas Golden Knights. What were you going to say, Tim?
1: Did you see um uh ottinger's career stat line versus vegas you showed me a, what was it tim yeah he's 4-0 he stopped 120 out of 125 shots 1.18 goals against Nine six zero save percentage and one shutout he plays this team very very well again not in the playoffs we haven't seen that yet but it's a pretty good indication of him playing well against this particular group of players
0: Yeah, he's familiar with the shooters. These guys are very, you know, they play each other all the time. They're in the same division. They're in the same conference. They they know each other very, very well. Moving on to Vegas. What does Vegas need to do to win, Tim? Who knows? You figure with the amount of stud forwards that they have, their power. Don't look now. Vegas has an atrocious power play. 17.5%, Tim. That is dog poop. Oh, their PK is probably fantastic, right? It's probably great. 60% PK. This team is hands down not even close to worst special teams team left in the playoffs. If all the teams were still in, they would be the worst. This team succeeds at five on five. And I know the PK percentage is 60% because they played the Edmonton others who are clipping along at 50% power play percentage. I get that. 60% is still garbage. The only way Vegas wins this series If they keep it five on five, that's the only hope that they have. They did that versus the Edmonton Oilers and they won. they need to do that versus Dallas stars. Because when you look at every single stat across the board, when you look at every single line, when you look at every single position, Dallas has the advantage in my eyes, every single spot, Tim, Dallas had the advantage. I I, I'm letting the cat out of the bag. I think Dallas is going to win this series. Am I wrong? Am I all of a sudden just throwing Vegas to the wolves after I dug into their stats? What's going on with John Scott? He said they were a perfect team last week. What's going on? Why is this happening?
1: Yeah. Do you feel like based on what you uncovered in your research, that Vegas has outperformed and they're not, they actually aren't as good as they seem to have been through two rounds. Is yeah. That the story.
0: Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. I feel like they're relying on five on five, which is great. You should. Like that, you lean into it. They're second in the league in five on five scoring. They had 31. The Kraken had 33. You win in the playoffs with special teams. Everybody knows this. You have to take advantage of those situations when you should score. And they have scored, or they have not scored, excuse me. But then you look at the Edmonton Oilers, they lost with their special teams and they had the best power play percentage in NHL history. So what do I know? But yeah, the more I dug into Vegas, the more I looked into their team, eh, there's some holes there. For whatever reason, they're bad on the PK they're bad on the PP their defense isn't as good as it once was they don't get many chances five on five they give up a lot of shots they're the only team left in the final four who gives up more shots than they take they're not good in the face-off circle Dallas is tremendous in the face-off circle Dallas' special teams far outrank them so maybe it's a little smoke and mirrors I don't know what it is they're a great hockey team but when you line them up against the Dallas Stars they don't look so great that's all I got to say. But yeah, that, that is my synopsis of the Vegas Golden Knights and the Dallas Stars coming into this Western Conference Finals. What do we get into next, Tim? You want to make our predictions here? Do you feel I ready? Think, uh, I think I already know who I'm predicting in the West. I, I'm going with Dallas, as strange as that was. Before I started to dig into these two teams, I was Vegas all the way. I felt like they were the better team. They have high-end forwards. They just dispatched Edmonton. I watched every game. It was fantastic hockey. They all played them. They were dynamite. I'm taking Dallas. I really am. I think they are just—they have a very good team when you look at it. Their only weakness could potentially be their back end. It's—it's it's not as vaunted, as scary as it was a couple of years ago. They had Klingberg, they had Heisken, and they had all these great players. Can Joel Hanley, Thomas Harley, Colin Miller, Issa Lindell play those minutes? We know Heiskanen and Suter are going to play a half an hour each. Can those bottom four navigate? the middle six for the vegas golden knights who are very very good i don't know that that'll be the big question i played with joel hanley when i was playing in st john's he's a good defenseman so uh that, that's the big question mark for me but if they can get decent play from those four guys this is dallas's series what do you think tim
1: yeah you you convinced me of that too and i, I like dallas too they were a team i've been talking about all, all season long so oh yeah you have been Yes. Yes. Don't even, you know, that I must have missed those episodes. The rootability factor for Joe Pavelski is just through the roof, right? You got to be rooting for this guy as an objective hockey fan. And that's the thing too. Like before we talk about the other, what are the, what are you following? If you're not a fan of any of these four teams, if you're not part of the media, you don't keep up with it every single day. What are you looking for in this series? Who are you rooting for? Are you watching? Like, What what do you think the average hockey fan can take away from these Final Four teams? Well, there's a lot to kind
0: of root for. I was just thinking about that, too. Everybody was on the Buffalo Sabres side of this trade for Jack Eichel. Oh, the Sabres win. The Sabres win. Eichel stinks. He's this and that. Don't look now. The guy's playing fantastic. In his first playoff round, he's just cruising through. He's in the third round of the playoffs. They could potentially win a Stanley Cup. If Vegas wins this cup and Jack Eichel gets to raise it, all of a sudden, does Vegas win this trade? I think they do. Like, how can you not win a trade when the guy you get leads you to the Stanley Cup? You can root for him. That's an easy storyline to get behind. I think you stay with Vegas. Mark Stone, coming back from back surgery, playing fantastic. Even though he's just got awful hair, I feel like you can get behind him. This this whole Vegas team, is good stories up and down. Phil Kessel, if he can raise the cup again, I don't know if he gets back in the lineup, but he's there. There's just a lot to like about the Vegas Golden Knights. But yeah, Dallas has Joe Pavelski. He's the only storyline you need. You got Sagan, you got Ben, two guys who have been in Dallas forever. Jamie Ben in particular, who's never won a Stanley Cup. He'd be cool to see him lift the cup. But in the West, there's storylines up and down.
1: Yeah, I mean the same on the other side too. I mean, Brindamore. Moore, I think Biz was talking about it. He obviously won as a captain in 2006 in Carolina. If he wins again as a coach, he's going to get a statue. I mean, that's that's a pretty cool thing too. And then obviously you got the Kuchak, who's one of the best players and villains in the league. You got all three Stahl Brothers. There's lots to be excited about. Bobrovsky's chasing his first one. Um, yeah, let's Burns. Talk about, yeah, that's another great one. Um all right, let's talk about the East. What what's your prediction over there?
0: Oh, goodness gracious. My I I'm torn between what I should pick, which is the Carolina Hurricanes, because I think they are they are the better team in my in my head but my heart's just florida's something special is happening in florida i feel like they just have that mojo they have that moxie they know they're playing with house money at this point they should have lost two rounds ago versus the boston bruins who i thought they were gonna win the stanley cup but they didn't and i thought florida or toronto was gonna win the stanley cup but they didn't because of the florida panthers this team there's something happening in florida right now so i'm taking the florida panthers i'm not gonna make the same mistake three times in a row
1: yeah, I think about that too. Like it's, the Kachuk factor and the Bobrovsky factor are just are so heavy on that side of the scale. It's hard to outweigh them. But I am going to pick Carolina. I think I think it's just one of those things. Like they are the better team when the series is done. I think Carolina wins in six or seven, and you think back, like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. They're the better team. I should have picked them. Um, I think Florida has been a great story. I think it's probably over now. I think uh, Carolina does everything Florida does; they just do better. So I'm going to pick Carolina and, and Dallas on the other side.
0: What's the sexy Stanley Cup final then? Ideally, if you're Gary Bettman, which you never want to be, who would you want to be in the finals?
1: <laughs> there's not really, and they, there's a little bit to like about each of these. The star power—you got the Pavelski, and then the young, you know, uh, Jason Robertson in Dallas. Like that's that's fairly marketable but it's not that marketable. Vegas is a cool story. Newer franchise, huge like hockey city, the way that the whole city has got behind that team. That's pretty cool. It's not that exciting. Carolina, you know what I mean? Like you got the Kachuk thing in Florida. None of them are that, that sexy, I guess if I'm picking a team for, if I'm Gary, I'm thinking probably Dallas for those reasons, but it's, what do you think? I, I think it's Vegas, Florida.
0: That I think Vegas has a good storyline. They've been there the last few years. They have a great fan base. It's fun to watch their pregame stuff. They bring a lot to the table. In Florida, yeah, they just have the personnel. Carolina sold just vanilla. I mean, you know, they did, they do the storm surge after the game. I get that. That's cute. But I think Florida has a – there's a lot more characters there. You got Gutis. You got Kachuk. You can make something out of that. They're, they're the hated team. You know, they're the they're the bullies who are coming in and punching you in the face. They've beat the two best teams in the NHL already. They could beat Carolina. That's the three top seams, the top seeds in the East. So they're they're the underdogs, who everybody hates and no one wants to play. And then you got Vegas. They haven't won the cup. They've been there. They've been around. They've been circling. Who's going to win? I, I think that would be a, a nice storyline going into the finals. But I think it's going to be Dallas. All right, quick kits. What do we got?
1: Do you want to talk about this whole Arizona thing? Do you want to see that for another day? I could
0: spend a whole show on it, but I don't want to wait because it's going to be just obsolete. We're going to be talking about the finals game. So let's just talk about the complete failure of the Arizona Coyotes. They had their big vote. Proposition 303 went to the citizens of Phoenix this past week. Whether to, to pass um, legislation to let them go ahead and build their big complex of malls and the rink and hotels and everything that goes along with it. Well, it failed. It went down in a in a flaming heap of garbage. I think they they lost sixty percent to forty percent, something in that range. All in all, they're not allowed to build the rink. That's what it boils down to. Phoenix said no. Tempe said no. Everybody said no. We don't want this arena. What what next? This was this was the one thing that they had to have happen if they wanted to build their rink in Tempe. And it didn't happen. So what do we do? They you leave Arizona. It's just so it's such a complete embarrassment. And news came out. And this is just how dumb Gary Bettman is. So you think you want to win a vote. What do you do? You go out and canvas. You go out and you, you try to sway people to vote for you. Because a lot of people, they go to the, the voters box. They don't know what everything is. They either vote all no or all yes. They just kind of vote. All they need is someone to come and say, hey, you know what? This would be good for the community. It's going to bring in tons of jobs. Not a lot of tax dollars going towards. It's going to be all privately funded. Okay, I'll vote yes. Do you know how much money Gary Bettman spent? On this whole thing to try to get, or Gary Bettman and the Arizona Coyotes as a whole spent $250,000. Seems like a lot, right? A lot of money. Do you know how much the opposition spent to try to get this to be turned down, to try to get people to say no on this vote? $2 million. $250,000. $2 million. We're talking billboards, we're talking commercials, we're talking door to door canvassers, we're talking leaflets in the mail. It's just, it's an all-encompassing thing about how you don't you you do something completely wrong, or you just half-ass it, and that's exactly what the Coyotes did and Gary Bettman did, and they don't deserve a team at this point. If you have a potentially billion-dollar arena, billion-dollar complex, you're going to spend two hundred fifty thousand dollars to try to get the motion passed, when your opposition is spending two million dollars. So you don't deserve to have a team at this point. I'm sorry. That ship has sailed. So they they lose. Arizona will not be a team. I'll give them two years. They'll play next year. They might play the year after that. But that's it. They're gone. They're going to go to Salt Lake City. I've heard reports. Sacramento. Maybe back to Quebec City. I don't think that's going to happen. Toronto, Montreal won't allow it. They're gone. Maybe Houston. But yeah, it's done. Gary Bettman, your experiment failed. Lights out. All the teams are going to start to move north. Goodbye. Turn the lights out in Arizona. You suck. Not the players. It's Gary. So yeah, there you go.
1: Yeah. To your point, I, I think it did seem like the Arizona voters didn't really know what they were voting for. And like people were asked that afterward and it was like because it's not going to cost them much at all in, in tax money to the individual taxpayer. Right. And they're like they were like asking, like, oh, I don't want this in my city. I don't want my taxes going to this. And they just didn't understand what they were voting for. And so I, th- I mean, there's a reason that politicians ask for money and, and, and need donations in order to run campaigns, especially the smaller ones. It's because it works. It it costs money to canvass and campaign, and that's how you get the votes, and it works. And the, so the fact that Bettman voted or spent a tenth of the money that the, the opposition did is just crazy. Did you see um, Clayton Keller's dad's tweet? I did not. What did he say? He tweeted it, and then he deleted it. Uh, Ooh, so the best kind. In response to Arizona tweeting out uh, their statement about being disappointed about the outcome of the vote, and he tweeted out—I I put this on Twitter, too, if you want to find the screenshot. He said, quote— Keller will not be there at the beginning of the season and expect others to follow or not sign. Team will be moved. There are no other options and Phoenix will regret losing a professional sports team. City just got diluted from a percep- from a ser- perception standpoint, privately financed too. Keller's dad sent that. Isn't that crazy? Um, he deleted it. His dad seemed like kind of a weirdo. He's like a young dad for, and Keller's 24 years old. Like why are you speaking on behalf of him? Um. Yeah, it's it's. So they said they're gonna play at least one more season, in in the, at this arena, and then who who knows what's coming next? the The latest report I read last night was that they are still trying with some probably great desperation to keep it in Arizona, but doesn't look like it's gonna happen. No, they're not gonna. What? No.
0: Let's just stay on Clayton Keller's dad for a little bit. Like, what are we doing? Wait, just be quiet. You know what I mean? Arizona's seeing this. They're going, okay, yeah, tell him not to show up. I don't want to pay him 7150000 point one five million. Let's, let's keep him on the books but suspend him so we don't have to play him. That's fantastic. Clayton Keller, get your dad in, in order here. Go get your money. You're on this team <laughs> until 2028, my friend. You're, you're not going anywhere. So let's just like pump the brakes on this for a little bit, Clayton Keller's dad. What is he doing? Keep your mouth shut like know your role stay in your lane i know you're upset but at the end of the day like why why would you want to stay in phoenix why (laughs) to get no fans to have the other team score and have the arena go crazy that's what it was like when i played there because i played in the nhl i don't know if a lot of you know this i'm not just a talking face i did play when i played in arizona we would play Edmonton, Chicago, all these teams, the Rangers. When they scored, the place would erupt. It would go crazy. <laughs> it's like, what are we, what? And then we would score and you'd hear like, a, hey, our horn would go. And that was like, it was just embarrassing. There would be 10 times as many jerseys for the opposing team than for our team. It was an away game, every game at home. And I'm not exaggerating it. And it's still like that today. Well, now it's it's a college game now. Because the, the student section is bigger than the actual rink itself but it's just when i played there in an nhl rink it was an away game every single night
1: have you ever been to an mls game major league soccer no i've not so those those games i haven't been to many but i've been to three or four different stadiums and when you go to those games it's it's not very full surprisingly not like i i went to gillette to play the revolution to watch the revolution um there's diehard fans behind the home behind one of the the nets and they have the face paint and the sign. They have all their chance. They have everything like they are the diehards and they can match any team die, you know, intensity for, for following a team. The rest of the arena is kind of empty. It's a social event. No one there can name the players on the team. They go to their drink. They got free tickets through work or something. You know what I mean? Like, it's a social thing. It's something to do on a Saturday afternoon to go check out the game. Maybe the little kids, little kids soccer team, whatever. It's, this is what it sounds like in Arizona. Like, there are diehard hockey fans. There are diehard Coyote fans in Arizona. We know that. You guys are recognized and acknowledged. Hall over in uh, Poland is one of them, even though he's not in the States checking out the games. But it doesn't have the mass appeal you have a lot of old people living in that city that are retired from Boston or Chicago or Philly, whatever, like you said, and they're, and they're, it's a, or it's college kids. And it's crazy too, because the, the Quebec city using an example, they're, they're selling out their 18,000 person arena for like the junior teams. And they're, they're ripe for an NHL franchise. And that makes sense to why the other teams wouldn't want them to be there. Um, But for, <laughs> these guys are, it's 4,600 that it seats. You
0: yeah, know? it is what it is. You know, it's, it's not, a place that can sustain an NHL team. I think it's been proven to, to double down and to build a whole complex like this. I I think it's an overreach to think that just because you're going to get more fans, because you're moving closer to the population, it doesn't make sense. Economically. It doesn't make sense. Just from a business standpoint, you haven't been successful for 20 years. It's not because of your location. It's just, it's because people don't like hockey that much down there. It is what it is. And you, you nailed it. They have a, good fan base of passionate fans, five, 10,000 people tops. That's it. There's snowbirds that go down there. There's people that make a trip, you know, in the winter, let's go watch my team play in Arizona. They'll get a a weekend trip down there. That's it, Tim. Like, and that's okay. It's not enough to sustain an NHL franchise. It's not grabbing on like the Knights did in Vegas. The Knights went to Vegas. The locals took ownership of that team. And now that's their team. Maybe because there wasn't any other sports teams there. They were the first one there. Now they have the Raiders. It looks like they're going to get a baseball team in Vegas. So that might kind of pull away their fan base. Vegas was trying to just stuff a circle circle and a square peg. It wasn't working. And they just need to cut bait. It's time. It's time to move on. Put them in a place that's going to embrace them instead of a place that's just they're fighting to stay there tooth and nail. You're not making money. This is the business, you guys. You got to make money. You're hemorrhaging money left and right. So good. We have a definitive answer. They're leaving. Like, let's just not try to fight it. Let's just go. Boom. Moving on. What are we going to do now, Tim? Get out of here.
1: Yeah, that's it. We got a big game tonight. Game one for Florida, Carolina. Game two tomorrow for Dallas and Vegas. Should be good.
0: Yeah. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow to recap the game last night and go over some more stuff. Have a good night. Cheers.